Life was bitter to the core There was nothing to live for Until love came My name is Harold J. Perkins And at the age of 17 I was selling drugs And on my way to an early grave While sitting in my house with about 10 guys God gave me an out-of-body experience And I was lifted above the room I could see everything moving in slow motion After that I got up and put those guys out And I cried out to Jesus Christ He came into my life with liberty and purpose. Then I ran into religion. And it has taken me over 40 years to navigate through religion to fully understand what came into me that day. This podcast is to help put you on a faster track than it took me to get through religion and experience life, liberty, and purpose on a higher level. So get ready. We're about to start a revolution. Again, welcome. Let me say, as long as I've been on the planet, I've never seen a time more important to know a loving God who has the power to move in our lives as it is today, to do what could not be done without him. Religion has no answer for what's going on in the world today. But the God of the Bible, he does have the answer. He's already sent the answer. Jesus is the answer. And Jesus wants to live out his life through us, his body of believers. And he can do it with the same power that he moved in when he walked the earth. All we have to do is believe. That's what this podcast is all about. And when we know how much God loves us, along with the integrity of God to keep his word, belief will follow. I'm going to continue talking about righteousness. If you've read the Old Testament, then you know that the word righteous or righteousness is mentioned quite a bit. Actually, It's mentioned in the Bible over 500 times, 35 times in the book of Romans. Now, remember, I said that uh, Paul's assignment when he preached to to Rome was to reveal the righteousness of God. And he mentions righteousness 35 times there. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that Jesus was made sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God. Think about that for a minute. In being made sin, Jesus was beaten, he was hung on a cross, he died and went to hell. All that for us to be made the righteousness of God. Therefore, there must be something very valuable about this righteousness for God to require Jesus to pay such a high price. I believe that I've shown some of the value of this righteousness in previous episodes, but there's so much more. So let's go a little deeper into this. You know, one of the things that you're going to see in this episode is that this place of righteousness that God has given you in some of these verses that I'm about to read will show you it's not going to be reversed. I'm in Romans chapter four, verses one through 12. Here's what it says. What shall we say then that Abraham, our fathers pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified or made righteous by works, he has where to glory, but not before God. For what says the scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Notice he says he believed and it was counted for righteousness. Verse four, now to him that works is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that works not, but believe that on him that justified the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputes righteousness without works. Now notice David said, boy, what a blessed place. And the reason David could say that 
is because it was not true in his time. In other words, uh, well, let me read on verse seven, saying, blessed are those whose, whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. See, God because of making us righteous, will never impute sin to us again. See, under the Old Testament, it was counted to them for righteousness, but Jesus hadn't come and died and taken sin for them. So God can only count it to them, okay? But under the New Testament, Jesus already come and died. The sin was already has now been imputed to him. God is not going to impute it to us ever again. Verse 9. Listen what David said, come at this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it reckoned when he was in circumcision or uncircumcision? I'm going to stop for a moment. Just so you understand, in the Old Testament, uh, God required the men to be circumcised the eighth day. And that was to keep the covenant that he had with them, where he had swore to bless them. And so that was a, the requirement for them under the Old Testament to be circumcised. Okay, now that's important because there's a spiritual circumcision that God has done. But the one thing you want to understand is you can't reverse circumcision. So what God was saying to them, once I've established a covenant with you and you've been circumcised, it's not going to be reversed. You can't reverse it. I'm going to continue. Verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal. You hear that? A seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that the, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Now, it's important for you to understand that you can't reverse circumcision. So I'm going to take you to some verses to show you that, that God has done a spiritual circumcision. And so what God is saying, you're never going to cease to be mine. Once I make you the righteousness of me in Christ, you're never going to be away from me again. See, God lost Adam and Eve when they sinned. And, and he lost all of mankind as a result of their sin. And God is saying, I got you back. I am never going to lose you again is what he's saying. Now, I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 2, and you'll see this here. I'm in Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now, the reason I'm starting at this verse is for you to understand why what I'm teaching about righteousness may seem to be far from what you're hearing in church or in with most preachers because tra tradition, God's love is so high that it's hard to believe for a lot of people that he loves us this much that he has sealed us by us believing only and not requiring us to do anything. That's how much he loves us. He sealed this based on us believing in him. And so that's why it may be a little challenge for you to, to, to understand this teaching in relationship to what traditional teachings you may have heard in the past. Let's go forward. Verse 9, for in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers, in whom also ye are circumcised 
with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, here's what God did. When we became born again, he circumcised our spirit away from our body, which means that he does not see us now in our, with our bodies. He sees us in Christ. And he's now the reason he circumcised us away from the flesh is because the flesh, the body hasn't been changed. It still has sin in its nature, the body, but not our spirit anymore. He has circumcised us. Okay. And cut us off, which means that, as I said to you, circumcision cannot be reversed. Now, so those of you who are, you know, feel like, okay, if I did something wrong and then I'm going to lose it, uh, this, no. It was based on your belief. It wasn't based on what you did. I'm going to continue to read at verse uh, uh, 12. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened or made alive, is that word, made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Now, this is the part that is hard for me to understand why people can't see this. Notice it says that he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. He's talking about the law, and he nailed the law to the cross. So if he nailed the law to the cross, what standard is God using to impute sin to you? There is none anymore. There's no law. However, I covered in previous episodes that God has empowered us by putting his nature in our spirit and he will have mercy upon the sins of our flesh. But he is expecting our spirit that has been changed, that has been resurrected with the life of Christ in it that over the process of time to put our flesh under. Paul said this in one of the epistles. I can't remember which verse it was right now, but he said this, I keep under, I put under my body, he says in one place. And then in another place, he says, I keep it under. Now, if he had to put it under and keep it under, then that means that the body wanted to do something that he didn't want it to do. That's because there's still sin nature in our bodies. But our spirit man, that once we've been made the righteousness of God, we have authority and power in this position. And over time, we can cause our flesh to submit to anything we want it to submit to. That's the power and the beauty of this thing. You know, some people say, well, you know, I'm free. Uh, God's not going to impute sin to me. That's true. He's not. But your body is the, the scripture is true. The wages of sin is death. In other words, if I continue to let my body do what it wants to do, it's going to lead to the death of my, maybe my marriage is going to maybe lead to the death of my relationship with my children. It may lead to the death of, of me in some kind of capacity because that's what the word says. It leads to death. But here's the mercy of God. God is, is understanding that this is a process with him. And this is what you got to understand. This is what seems like a lot of people don't understand. It's a process. Your spirit man, once you've accepted Christ and become the righteousness of God, has the same power that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. How in the world can I continue to allow my body or any part of me to dominate me when I'm allowing this spirit man to be fed with the word of God? I'm hearing the word of God. I'm, I'm spending time in prayer. Therefore, I'll cause my flesh to submit itself.
Verse 15 says, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You see, this is where Satan and his kingdom was defeated. God took Satan's nature out of your spirit, which was a sin nature, and he put his nature in, which is righteousness. Now, just the fact that righteousness, which is life, is, is stronger than sin and death is the fact that death could not hold Jesus. Death could not hold Jesus. It rose him from the dead. Okay. Well, that same sp power that rose Jesus from the dead is on the inside of us. The other thing that you got to keep in mind here is this is circumcision of the spirit and it cannot be reversed. You are the righteousness of God in Christ forever. Now, if you don't get it from that, then this verse definitely should enable you to see it. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 10 to 13, I'm going to quote, it says that after we believed, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You can read it for yourself. It's Again, it's Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. It says that we were sealed after we believed. Okay, how do you misunderstand that? If it's sealed, that means God is saying you are never going to get away from me ever again. This is the love that God has for us. Now, there's another verse that will help us to understand this too. I'm in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now, notice it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse. So in other words, Jesus has already hung on a tree, right? He's already become the curse for us. How can we be cursed then if we've accepted what he did? We can't. He's already, in, and God, you can't reverse the fact that he died already, right? Then we have been redeemed from the curse already. Everything that has to do with the curse. And verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham, the sworn blessing that was sworn to be on Abraham, where he was circumcised in the Old Testament in the flesh to indicate it couldn't be reversed. God has now circumcised us in the spirit to show us that it can't be reversed. So don't ever think, see, the devil is very clever. He's a clever deceiver. And he wants you to think that you've done something to now disqualify you. Now you curse. That's why God's not blessing you. No, that's him bringing stuff against you to try to get you to throw in the top. Okay. Abraham, it says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the spirit. How? Through faith. See, not through our deeds, through this, through faith. Okay. Now, Psalms, see, here's where the challenge comes in at. Psalms 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Notice it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all. How will you know God is God if he does not allow you to get in situations that only God can bring you out of? See, it's through, it's through him delivering you over and over again that you get to see his faithfulness. And the bigger the problem, the greater the glory to God as he brings you out. I've been in some stuff, oh boy, I tell you, well, I, I, I can share with you something just recently. God through, took me through a, a process it was about a, a six-year process that he took me through. As a matter of fact, I'll go to this verse because this is what he gave me before I went through the process to let me know what, what was about to happen. Isaiah 54, 8 through 10. 
Here's what it says. It says, little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, says the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you. The mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on thee. Now, you notice this is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 54. God had given me this revelation and understanding, like with the, like this example here, that you, you, you notice he says in verse 10, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. See, this example he's using of Noah, of course, when, when Noah, when the flood came, and when you saw no mountains and you saw no hills, then you knew that it was destruction of the whole world, and that's what transpired. The, the water rained down so much that Noah was the only one in the boat with his family that survived. And so when you, so what God was saying to me is this, I'm going to take you through something where you're not going to even see the mountains. You're not going to see the hills. And it's going to look like I'm not going to keep my promise with you. It's going to look like I'm not going to keep my promise that I made to Abraham. But the latter part of that verse says, but my kindness shall not depart from you, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has mercy on you. And so there was a period, that period, God kind of hid his face from me for a moment. And he took me through something that was very difficult. It was very challenging. But I can tell you right now, it was the best experience of my life because I was able to see God come through and bring me out of that. And it was some other things that were very uh, beneficial for me to go through. The biggest thing that I learned is people. See, he got me, a, he gave me an opportunity to see people because a lot of people turned their back. Okay. And uh, it was the greatest experience. You know, freedom, one of the best freedoms that you can ever have is freedom of people, freedom of what people think. See, God is trying to grow us up and and to mature us so that this power that's about to hit the earth, that's about to be upon his people, that we stay in a place of humility and we can allow this power to flow through us and we understand that it's, it's Jesus that deserves all the glory and we don't try to take it. So he takes us through situations that are extreme and that are difficult to where we look to him and we know we have to depend on him. And then when he comes through, we know who deserves all the glory. See, I, I'm at a place in my life now. I know who's Lord Jesus is. Lord, Jesus deserves all of the glory. Now, the beautiful thing is, is Isaiah 55 goes into telling you that what he took you through in 54 Here's what you got to look forward to. I'm in uh, Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 12. And here's what it says. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heaven, now I'm going to stop in here. Think about it now. <laughs> you would say many are the afflictions of the righteous. Well, that's one of God's ways. Because you as a, sometimes as a parent, you don't want your kids to go through affliction, right? Well, I happen to know as a, as a dad uh, that, some of the things that my children went through were necessary for them to grow. And God understands that. Okay. All right. Back to this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns, returns not, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the things whereunto I send it. So I'm going to stop here. I'm going to finish that later. But see, here's what happened. Before God took me through this process, he told me some pretty awesome things that he was going to do. And he took me through that process to see, will I continue to believe him to do what he said he was going to do? Because he see right here, he says that I that my words will not return to me void. Verse 11 says, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. It shall accomplish that which I please. It will prosper in the things whereunto I send it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains that you couldn't see before, the hills that you couldn't see before, shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap your their hands. You see, what God is doing is the is saying to you the same mountains that you couldn't see are going to start singing. See, God is is faithful to do what He said He would do, and so He allows you to go through these circumstances, situations to mature you, to humble you, and to see if you're going to continue to believe. Our Father God wants to be believed, no matter what you're seeing. That's why He was so excited about Abraham. He said, "Against hope." He believed. So in other words, it looked like it was not going to happen for Abraham, but Abraham still believed in his father. Okay. So God is faithful to do what he said he's going to do. This is why we need to learn the word of God for ourselves and get to know his voice. You know, if you begin to spend time with God, you will get to know his voice. Just like when you spend time with a friend and that friend may call you on the phone and without caller ID, you recognize their voice. Why? Because you spend so much time with them. You can get to know the voice of God the same way. Imagine your life, what it would be like when a loving God who knows all things is leading you. Why wouldn't he? You're the righteousness of him. All it is is a matter of developing a relationship where you get close enough that you can hear his voice and you follow his guidance and his leading, knowing that he will always keep his word. So I trust that in the process of what I've covered, that you've seen that circumcision cannot be reversed. And when you were made the righteousness of God, you were circumcised in the spirit. In other words, your spirit was cut off from your flesh. In the eyes of God, God sees your spirit pure and righteous and holy and undefiled and separate from sinners. And it's time that when we begin to see ourselves that way, and then we govern over our flesh and make it submit in that manner and to walk holy and righteous, which is a process. OK, and so don't beat yourself up in the process. Let me say right here, if you don't know our living Savior, Jesus Christ, you can get to know him now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins. Jesus I accept you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to live this life. Thank you. That's it. It's that simple. If you believe what you just prayed, he has come in. Start reading the Bible for yourself. You can start in the book of St. John and in the book of Romans. And God will begin to show you his purpose for your life. And he'll begin to show himself unto you. 
Okay, we'll see you on the next episode.